program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people will turn this around Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom while I get and get an understanding again welcome to the program this evening with your host brother Elliot and brother Richard the number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live audio at several locations. You can go to timefindawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. And the live stream is playing there also. We're playing at a bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn radio is a free radio app. In that tune-in search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune-in app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always follow the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read download at later times and share with your friends and also check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the bb Tumi. always interesting things in the marketplace all the time uh, various african language classes classes on education economics social systems health and much much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora so again make that one of your favorites put that in your address bar that's time for com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the Sunday, December 24th edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, scheduled to join us in conversation, activist, organizer, and New York City uh, Council representative of the 42nd District, Representative Charles Byron, is scheduled to join us in the, uh, this evening's program. On uh, Tuesday, uh, the 19th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, New York signed a reparations bill to study reparations for the abuses of our ancestors in the state of New York. Uh, we'll talk about that. 
with our guest this evening who, who authored, sponsored the bill originally, and talk about uh, his observations and uh, how he feels in reference to it and the tremendous work that still needs to be done in reference to uh, the bill and, and pushing things forward. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company? Headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell 
the political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go and what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. <clears throat> the Time for an Awakening is 7.13 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Brother Richard. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm, and I'm always, as as always, I'm looking forward to speaking with um, Brother Barron, you know, um, um, the leader per excellence, the uh, community organizer um, per excellence, um, the representative uh, per excellence, but um, also wanting to all, you know, in the time for working audience and family to just acknowledge them, you know, in this moment where we're going through the solstice and heading towards the period I love the best, warm weather. Um, that everyone enjoy the ceremonies and celebrations and exchanges as we continue about our repair. Richard, and uh, as you know, and as the uh, uh, guest members of Time for Awakening listening audience knows, uh, this week, earlier this week, uh, the New York governor signed a, a bill to study reparations in New York. Um uh, You see similar things going on in different areas, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, uh, with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the yeoman work of Brother Rashawn and Sister Brianna, uh, had Philadelphia City Council sign a, uh, bill similar to study reparations. But we want to talk to the gentleman that authored that bill up there in New York. Now, I don't know whether it's the same bill or whether it was watered down or changed. But we're going to talk uh, with uh, Representative Byron to find out what's really going on, what really happened, and the, the tremendous work that needs to be done uh, even after this uh, this study bill has been signed. Uh, joining us this evening in conversation, activist and organizer and New York City Council representative of the 42nd District, Representative Charles Byron. Brother Byron, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. I appreciate you, Brother Elliot. I appreciate all of the time that you give us to bring and speak truth to power. <laughs> I want to thank you for being back on the program with myself and Brother Richard. Yes, doing, Brother Richard. Uh, uh, Councilman Byron, talk, talk about the bill. I, I know that you uh, authored this bill, and I don't know how far back it was, but probably over five years uh, this bill has been sitting. Um, you and, and, uh, uh, Jabari Brisport, I don't know, you know, his, uh, input in with the bill, but t- talk about the bill, uh, what has happened, uh, 
before we kind of get into some of the things that needs to be done now in the community, just talk about this bill and how, and how it came to pass and what has happened since then. First of all, I want to give all of my brothers and sisters across the nation beware of the co-opting of the reparations movement. Beware of them calling everything we get out of government reparations. (laughs) Beware of not to allow your enemy to determine the compensation. And beware that there are things that you're supposed to get out of these budgets because you're presently paying taxes into this budget. So the revenue that's generated by every state is generated from your income taxes and your sales taxes. So when you put all of this money into these state budgets and they deny you of things and you fight and you get some scholarships and you get some affordable housing and you get some health care that you deserve, Medicare, Medicaid, this is not reparation. (laughs) That is not reparation. That's what you're supposed to get as taxpaying citizens. Secondly, Reparations without liberation and building a black nation and, and, and calling into question our oppression without that. If you get reparations and you don't have that kind of self-determination and independent in our communities, then you're only getting reparations and remaining on the American plantation and you're going to give it right back to them. So with that in mind, there's a couple of things that happened. I authored this bill that they passed and amended in 2017. And what I wanted to do, looking at California and some other places, I said I'm not going to author a reparations bill that gives the state, the governor, and the state legislature, assembly and senate, all the appointments to the commission. This, to me, is a mistake, a big mistake. So I authored a bill that said six, and I called it the Community Commission on Reparations Remedies. Look out for other language. This is not a study. This is not so we can start a conversation. (laughs) This is for remedies. And remedies are concrete remedies. That's what my bill was focusing on. With that in mind, because we've been studying for days, don't need to study us no more. You know damn well what you've done to us. The impact is obvious. Look at the poverty in all of our neighborhoods. We don't need to study nothing. We just need to come up, and my bill fundamentally says, how much, what form, and who's eligible to receive reparations. That was the foundation of the bill. So in 2017, I wrote the bill, got in the history of New York State, how New York City was the second largest slave-holding city to Charleston, South Carolina. And since 1626, when New York became New Amsterdam under the Dutch, to 1827, and after the English took over in 1664, and the Duke of York came, and they called it Duke, you know, New York, they had ensla- had enslaved us from 1626 to 1827 when they so-called abolished slavery. But that's when we went from the 
plantation to the penitentiary. However, so I said we will have six six of our organizations, six appointees will come from our organizations, and COBRA will get two. The December 12th movement will get two. And then Ron Daniels and the Institute of the Black World will get two. That would give us six. And the governor would get one. The assembly speaker will get two. And the Senate majority leader would get two. Six to five, I wanted the community to have the majority. And the reason being because we needed the power of the appointments on the front end because the state will have the power on the back end. When the commission is finished, it has to be approved by the state assembly. Just like in California, they can say all of that stuff they want. It's non-binding when it comes out of a commission. It has to be approved by the state. So since they had the power on the back end, front back end, I wanted us to have the power on the front end. So as you said, Senator Jabari Brisport, he was pushing it in the state Senate, the bill in that nature, and I had it passed twice. When I was in the state assembly, it passed 107 to 43. And when I left to go into the city council, assembly member Mikhail Salajas, she had it passed 104 to 46 again. And then we finally was up to 25 senators in the Senate. We needed seven more. And then came this old, <sighs> I can't even think of, of, trying to think of words to say that you're allowed to say on the broadcast. But anyway, it came this bootlicking Negro who uh, opportunistic senator, Senator James Sanders. He always wanted an egomania. He wanted to be in front of the bill. And so he went before the majority leader in the Senate and convinced them not to pass Jabari's bill, even though we had 25, we only needed seven. He amended it, used all of my language, but amended it and said, three for the governor. Governor Hochul is clueless about reparations. She gets three, three from the state assembly and three from the Senate and none from the community groups. He pushed that, so the assembly went back and changed it, and that's what they passed. But we're claiming victory anyway because that's my bill. Even with that amendment, they weren't even thinking about reparations until we came up there and made the case, and now a bill is passed. It's my bill amended with that sellout Sanders of making sure that the state got it. He didn't think I could get it through. He told me I wouldn't even get it out a committee in the assembly and we got it passed. That's one thing. The other thing about the bill, we're gonna claim victory because it's my bill, even though they amended it. And in February, we hope to have a reparations conference. And out of that conference, come up with the People's Commission, hell with the state, have a People's Commission. So alongside the State Commission, we're going to develop a people's commission. We're going to have hearings with historians and economists, similar to what Omali Yeshitela and the 
the uh, African People's Socialist Party did in 1982 in Brooklyn. They had an international tribunal on reparations and said we were owed $4 trillion and they bring in experts. So we're going to do a similar thing and have a People's Commission. And then that People's Commission is going to confront this bogus state commission. So whoever they appoint, we're going to see to it that what they send to the state assembly for passage is something that the People's Commission is going to want. So we're not allowing them to reduce it to conversation. We're not allowing them to reduce it to a study. It's a remedy. And they can't pick our leaders. She had Al Sharpton speaking after her. He has done nothing on this bill at all. And he's not our leader. And he can't be appointed to speak on our behalf by some white governor who's clueless about black people and about reparations. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Brother Barron, this uh, James Saunders. Is he from New York? What district does he represent? And where in New York if he's not from the city? He's in Queens. He's in Queens. I think it's Far Rockaway in Queens. He used to be kind of progressive. We worked on some things together in the Black United Front with Reverend Daughtry. But he's such an egomaniac and an opportunist and that he allowed that to get in the way. He originally was doing the bill with me. And I noticed that, here I was getting all the assembly people to sign on and we was getting it passed. And he wasn't pushing the bill at all in the Senate. And it's because he wanted to get in front of it. And he couldn't handle the fact that I had authored the bill and he was going to be a sponsor in the Senate. And the other thing, to show how callous they are and how clumsy they are, after they turned it into a state commission on reparations, Governor Holcomb still announced the bill with my title, the Community Commission on Reparations Remedies, and called it a study and a conversation and turned it into a state appointment. So they didn't even bother to do a little work and, and change the name and title and none of that. They just took my bill and just changed that part of it. Richard, uh, jump in here because I'm trying to go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. You know, and, and thank you, um, Brother Barons, for what you you have done. You you have done and doing, and and I'm I'm really excited to hear, and I know you would to, about the People's Commission because I think um, all communities should be doing that and towards your and as you said earlier, because we should be moving towards uh, liberation and nation management, right? And this, that's right. Uh, this provides us this opportunity. So, could you? Uh, and I and I got to what the uh, um, the commission would do as far as having that tribunal. What are, what are the components for those of us, say, in Philadelphia, who are thinking down the same lines, but not organizationally as advanced as you are, as far as um, being, you know, already, you know, submitted the bill, already have a power um, organization. What, what What is it that the nuts and bolts you think that we should be aware of in order to put together or what con would constitute this People's Commission? Well, you know, you have to be aware of the sellout Negroes from the Democratic Party who's going to try to co-opt it and make it appear as though it is the same thing you're talking about when it isn't. And we have to get with groups that are 
committed to our liberation, groups that are independent from the state, groups that are clear about the direction we need to be going in for a self-determining people and the people who see every 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 movement, every decade, every generation, we need an ideolo- ideology. Um, I think it was Franz Fanon who said one of the greatest liabilities in Africa is the lacking of a unified ideology. And this is why you can't just have black this, black that. These black representatives have to have some kind of ideology. Ideology are ideas and philosophies that guide their action. Yes. So if your ideology is not radical, revolutionary, liberating, and independent, then it doesn't matter if the face is black. So first you've got to get some like-minded people. See, we got Viola Plummer, uh, Omawali Clay, Roger Wareham from the December 12th movement. We'll be working with, in my neighborhood, uh, Minister Henry Muhammad from the Nation of Islam. We're going to be dealing with Andre T. Mitchell and others from an organization that we helped develop, Man Up, Inc., and, of course, Operation Power. And we're going to look at some groups for all of us to come together. And we do have a couple elected officials. Uh, Miguel Solage, she was very progressive, and even though they, she tried her best to keep the bill in the form that I had handed it off to her, but she's the only one that mentioned that this was my bill when they had the big press conference. So we're going to have her involved and some other groups so that we come up with the people. So I would suggest that you do that right away. Secondly, I think you all already have something passed in the city council or trying to get it passed. Yes. Yes. Right. Now, you just got to monitor what was passed. Who's picking the commission? Mm. Right. Who's picking the commission? The mayor? No, the um, Encober um, representatives are picking the are picking the commission, as I understand it. So from, the, from the city council? No, no, they're the they're they're in charge to pick the commission individuals. They're reviewing the applications. The city council person turned that that operation over to them to. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, it's very important. Are they viewing the applications and making recommend- recommendations to the city council member? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's not power. Mm-hmm. That's not power. Mm-hmm. In my bill, and Cobra was picking the representative. See the difference? Okay. Yes. So I don't know what's going on there, but if they have to review and then give it to a council member to make the final decision, at best, that's influence. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, understand, that's not power. And I have to I have to provide clarity. I will have to provide clarity on that. Yeah, oh. yeah, just get clear on that. So if, in fact, that they are doing this and then they're going to give it to the council member or the mayor to, um, so, you know, to make the final approval, then they need to set up a people's commission, too, to make sure that the people that are selected and how many people are on that commission? Eight. Eight. And the majority are selected by who? The mayor, the council, and COBRA? Who? And COBRA, as I understand it. Now, you you sure are they selecting the members or are they recommending them? And that's what I have to get clarity on based off of. You just get clear on that. If they're recommending the members, because we're going to do that too with the state thing. 
We're going to re- recommend the ones that they didn't want to select it. But in addition to that, we're going to do a people's commission to come up with remedies that we're going to push and force and fight the state commission to adopt. So governor got three, the assembly leader got three, the state senator has three, and we're going to say three of those should be in COBRA, you know, D12, and Ron Daniels. That's one fight there, but outside of that, since we don't have the majority there like it was in my bill, we're going to set up the People's Commission to hold them accountable. See, just look at California. California, they say you're way ahead and all of that. Five of the members of the commission were selected by the governor, and four were selected by the state legislature, two from the Assembly and two from the Senate. And they did all of that work, have 200 recommendations going to who? The state. And the state, these are non, non-binding recommendations. The state now has to look at it, and they even allowed them to say only a black people who could trace their lineage back to slavery. What kind of foolishness is that? There are 2.6 million black people in California. Every last one of them should be eligible for reparations, whether they're from the continent, from the Caribbean, or born here in America. And one thing that you raise, um, the distinction between um, what a citizen of America is entitled based off of tax money and what is considered remedy. How do you, how do you, we make those uh, distinctions? A very good question. Reparations, bear this in mind always, reparations is a debt owed. You owe us a debt. So we determine what is the compensation for that debt. So when you have a a state, and I don't mean to diminish anybody's um, progress on reparations, but one state, they said they got reparations because they got $10 million from their state to do scholarships and um, housing for black people. Mm. Come on now. I mean, I ain't dissing nobody's works. I got $20 million from the state to do a Martin Luther King scholarship fund for CUNY students, City University of New York students, for non-tuition costs like books and food and transportation and child care because they already had TAP, tuition assistance program, paying the tuition. So I got $20 million from the state. I said, you need, that is not reparation. That's what they should be getting because of our taxpaying dollars. When you say we're going to build, I got over 20,000 units of affordable housing in my beloved East New York because I told developers, you ain't coming into East New York saying that you're building affordable housing and people have to make $100,000 to get in it. Because we have power in the city council, I got 20,000 units of how I define affordable housing in a district that has a area median income of $36,000 for a family of three. I define affordability as 25,000, 35,000, 45,000, $50,000 household income. No market rate, no market rent. That's affordable. And I got that. That's not reparation. That's what we're supposed to have. <laughs> because you have us homeless. 
so we got to be clear when we have our commission. We got to say this is the cash settlement. This is the land we want, and this is what we want for healthcare, education, and housing, separate from what needs to go down on a regular, every year battle for getting our fair share out of these multi-billion-dollar state and city budgets. You know, you know, as you said that, Brother Barron, it makes me think that we have to be clear. We have to already be clear of what it is that we are entitled to as citizens and should come out of that budget, and then right. also what we need to develop um, so they Very so they won't, won't be conflated. We have to be clear on both of them. That's right. That's right. Discussion. Okay. See, I'm glad you raised that because that's so important. So what I do in New York, I say, hey, y'all, there's a $110 billion budget. We got to fight for $1.5 billion for rental assistance, $1.6 billion for mortgage assistance. We got to fight for building 300,000 in the next 10 years units of housing for our people. That ain't got nothing to do with reparations. And then let's set up the commission while we're making this battle on a yearly basis. Now set up the commission and say, oh, hey, we want $50 billion as a down payment toward health. We want land. Governor Hochul had the nerve to tell the folks she wanted to write in the bill no checks, no cash settlement. It must be crazy, you know, so at least they beat her back on that. See, she wanted to say to her white folks, this is a conversation. This is a study. We ain't giving these Negroes nothing. It's just a conversation. It's just a study. That's where she went with it. Cause, and even got black people saying, at least this starts the conversation. Get the hell out of here. We ain't talking about no conversation. We're talking about compensation. Brother Barron, Richard, you uh, no, no, go ahead. Let go me ahead. jump in, Richard. Uh, Brother Barron, the <clears throat> let, let me talk about us right now, because these conversations we're having now, besides some of the groups that have been fighting for reparations and have a track record of fighting for decades, this conversation now is happening among just rank and file black people that might not have been aware or might not have been fighting or might not have been concerned about reparations. These conversations are starting to be had, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But the thing that we need to watch for is something that I remember when the late Alton Maddox was on our program, and he talked about ethics and our people adopting a code of ethics. It's something that we need to do whether we got to set up a commission for it, whether we got to set up a watch team, it's something that we have to do to stop these type of people, similar to this James Saunders that you spoke about, that was involved in one time in, in working with you and then turn around and work for the other side. It's some type of safeguards that we got to put in place to stop these type of people because they're damaging our community. They're damaging efforts. What, what, in your opinion, as a man that has been out here working on several fronts, what do we have to do to safeguard and stop this type of infiltration? 
I think we got to do two things. Number one, the reason why we started Operation Power, for the very reason that you're mentioning now, in my beloved East New York, Brooklyn, we had a bunch of, I call them neo-colonial black puppet elected officials of the Democratic Party that was financed by the party, was financed by Wall Street, was financed by hedge fund uh, rich, rich folks. So we have to develop a black, radical, independent political movement. That's what Operation hmm. Power is. Okay. So instead of complaining, and I can call them names and everything, because we removed them, the sellouts that was in East New York, we beat them. We built a grassroots electoral movement with radical socialists, me and my wife, and no DSA, no Working Families Party, no Democratic Party, an independent black radical movement. Uh, in my book, I have an article, How to Beat the Machine. We learned how to beat the machine. So what we're going to do, and we've developed the National Black Political a conference that we've had, and so far we've had about 10 to 12 states represented. We had two conferences, one in Pittsburgh, one in Baltimore, and we had about 60 to 70 people representing 12 different states. They're going to use the same model, the model that Operation had in getting revolutionaries elected in the Democratic primary. And then we're going to have independent parties that will develop independent black radical revolutionary independent parties that will run candidates in November and support other progressive candidates. We said black power in the 60s. We did the black. We got our dashikis, changed our names, kawaii theory. We did the black, you know, Kwanzaa, Black History Month, but we didn't get the power. Power is the great equalizer. When you have power, you don't even have to worry about racism because it becomes irrelevant. The only reason why we deal with racism so much because we don't have the power. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with racism and in, in whether these uh, people in my district, whether these electors like me or not or whatever. I got the power because I beat them at their own game. And when I knew the city council had the power to make a decision on what's going to be built on city-owned land, not the mayor, the council does. And when I know the city council passes the budget and municipal laws, and I know that in my district, the zoning committee, if they get a land-use project for my community, they're going to call me up. We give deference to the local council member, and they're going to say, hey, Baron, how do you feel about LU-437? No, sir, it's not affordable. All right, we're going to vote it down. That's, it. That's power. I don't have to demonstrate, scream, holler, call nobody racist. Oh, look how they gentrify my neighborhood. My neighborhood is not gentrified. Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn is with all of these black politicians. Not a single white politician is in office in Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn, but they're gentrified. <laughs> Harlem is gentrified. Town Heights is gentrified. 
because we don't have the barons and operation power in these districts that will take on the mayor, the speaker, and these rich white developers since we have the power. Donald Trump came in my district and said he wanted to build Trump Towers on Alabama Avenue in my district. I'd tell him to go to hell. And ain't nothing he could do about it because he doesn't have the power to make that happen unless he goes to one of these sellout Negroes and offers them money, then he could build. We gotta we gotta develop a movement to take them out, brother. But you know, brother Elliot, it's just we've been through this too long. You know, I agree with ethics and all of that, but we gotta get power. There's power in the city council. There's power in the state legislature. Those are two seats we won. We had less money. We just learned how they how they do this stuff, and we beat them. And because of that. East New York is not gentrified. We stopped Walmart from coming into East New York. We were able to build 20-plus thousand units of affordable housing to the people's income of East New York, three new $88 million schools, $106 million worth of renovating parks. We changed one park name from Stank Park, a name of a slaveholder, to Sankofa Park, Liberation. We have a housing development, 2,600 units coming into East New York for people making 35,000, 45,000, 50,000 household income called Alafia Village. We made them name that. We have a Emoja Park. We made them name that. We can do that stuff. We have a new library coming in. That's power. Tell Shopton to walk through Harlem and point to some stuff he got built. Nothing but rallies on Saturdays. And then they go to Washington, these civil rights activists who love Dr. Martin Luther King, yet they love capitalism when King was a socialist. King went to Washington, was planning to go in 68, to do Resurrection City, to sit in the halls of Congress, stop planes from taking off militant civil disobedience, and said until they pass a $30 billion poor people's poverty budget bill. And these guys go back every year and honor a king making speeches and photo op and coming home with nothing. King is turning in his grave. <laughs> you know, we. we uh, I was going to take a break, but l l let me. I'm, I want to get a couple of these calls in here because I don't want to keep people waiting just uh, if they want to have something to say in reference to this issue. And one just dropped, so uh, give us a call right back. Let's go to Toronto. Toronto? Toronto, are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to Georgia. 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 Yes, sir. Hey, brother, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? All right, all right. This is brother Eric. How are you? How are you? Hey, hey, hey. Barrett. Well, wonderful. Hey, um, greetings, greetings, um, brother, brother Baron. Um, greetings. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking the time to come over here and talk about this topic. And um, I have a question for you. Um, are you now? First, um, I am. 
I am what I, I identify myself as a freedman. And of course, and I'm part of the um, lineage-based reparations movement. One of the groups that's pushing lineage-based reparations. Are you um, for lineage-based reparations or race-based reparations in this show? Look, I ain't going none of that stuff that y'all talking about. Freedmen, lineage-based. I believe black people, whether you're from the Caribbean, whether you're from Africa, the continent, whether you're born in America, South America, if you're citizens here, I'm for all black people getting reparations. I'm not for the. Let me finish. I'm not for the divisive idea of only Africans in America. And the ones in America, they have to trace their lineage back to slavery. Many people can't do that. I'm not for any of that. I'm for all black people getting reparations and don't divide us because that's what our enemy does. And that's where they keep the confusion and the reparations movement going. So, no, I'm not for just us in America. And based on that, we're against you, and you're not. You're not. No problem. No problem. No problem. You won't be the first. Any other questions? What's your lineage, brother? Brother Bear, what's your lineage? None of your business. No, no. I mean, come on. We, we don't want to get personal. We want to ask questions that's going to help all of our people. So that was, if, that was a question, uh, Booker. That was a question. Yeah. Well, I must my answer. None of your business. And, and that's kind of disrespectful. Now, now, let me ask this because I was I was going to come to this because I'm trying to figure out um, and these uh, ideological um, um, fr- I don't know uh, ideological differences. I'm gonna call them ideological differences. They're not ideological. Let me say this real quick. These are not ideological differences. They don't even have an ideology. Especially these are new groups, new groups that have come up out of nowhere. Nobody ever heard of them. And they're causing divisiveness in the reparations movement across the country about this lineage. We are black people, people of African ancestry. That's my lineage. I'm an African, people of African ancestry. And all they of come us were enslaved in the United States. They come, up, they come up with this lineage crap and they come up with all of that to divide our movement. And I try not to give them any attention. I'm only doing it out of respect for you, Brother uh, Elliot, because you have them. They're calling in, but they are divisive. And I'm not giving them any more of my attention. So anything else they say, y'all can answer it if you want. Yeah, what I'm trying to um, fluster, and I don't want to um, take up much time because I think it'll take a lot. Because in the end, whatever how we deal with and using the principle that you you mentioned, Brother Barron, if we're going about power and we're going about remedy, then everyone who is here will benefit. That's, exactly. That's the bottom line, right? Bottom line. Don't let them divide us. So the, that's no, the, we, we haven't even gotten anything yet. People right. talking about, you know, with your lineage. You know, that's irrelevant. We are right. people and, and of African and, 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 and that's what I don't, I don't want to because what I'm, I want to be clear of, and, and, and if you don't mind um, me, you know, directing this question to you, Eric, um, you know, as a part of a representative that, so we don't get into the language more than the, the outcome. Is 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 the end, even as you whatever identify, self-identify, lineage-based, or whatever, is the end to be able to get um, resources that's a remedy for black people in America? Is that the end? Absolutely, but but, but it's not for everybody. Um, everybody oh, yeah, I mean, I, we, we can, I, I just want to because you know, we, brother we, Elliot, I don't think you should take this in this direction. They well, will no, monopolize no, 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 I just across the country 
By asking him questions, you're allowing a no, narrative to go forward that 99% is important. of our people Baron, Baron, your opinion is no more valuable than anybody else. Eric, 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 Eric hold on, please. Go right ahead. Right. Call but, me when you finish. But, but, That's the kind of arrogance we don't need. Hold on one second, Brother Baron. Brother Eric, listen. Are you still there? Yeah, um, I just put everybody on mute. Are you still there, brother Eric? Are oh you yeah, still I'm there? here. Listen, see, because I don't want to get into this this type of conversation. I think it hurts all of our people. But what I want to do, wait a minute, you got to let me talk. What I want you to understand is that the damage that was caused to our people were caused by Europeans. I don't care whether you were from the continent, whether you were taken to South America, whether you were brought here, whether you were taken to the islands. The damage that was done to our people were done by these people. That's who the focus should be on. That's who the, 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 uh, the uh, eye of the needle should be looking at. These people, they're the ones that caused the harm. They did this. They separated families. We didn't do it to ourselves. They were the instrument behind this. They did this. We need to keep the focus on them. Um, hey, Elliot, Elliot, um, ask CARICOM, ask CARICOM, are, are freedmen getting CARICOM reparations? Say that again? Are freedmen, black Americans, entitled to CARICOM reparations? When they, get, when they get their reparations from Europe and from France and all of that, are freedmen, black Americans, entitled to that? See, that's the problem that I have with well, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that because yeah, but, if but, one of our family, if if one of our family uh, uh, breaks through first, we're going to all benefit. But that's it's not, not the about individualism. The this is not about individualism. It's not. But, it's why, not. Why do, we, why do we? Why do we get triggered? Why? Why do we get triggered when 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 when, when black people who are whose ancestors were enslaved um, make sure that our that our justice claim is respected and delineated. Why do why do why do folks like you and Baron and all of them get triggered? Why can't you all what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm triggered, brother Elliot. Brother Elliot, if you want to talk to him, I got better things to do. Baron, you ain't important. Brother Elliot, brother Elliot, let me say this, brother Elliot, before I leave. Number one, I don't want you to wait a minute. They've run this across the country, and it's been divisive. As far as if the Caribbean, if Caribbean people get reparations, if you are living in there and you're an African from America, you will get it too. If you want to know our lineage, we are people of African ancestry. They only say these things to cause the vision, vision and take the conversation where y'all allowing him to take it tonight. In the area, in the area, in the area where you will not change his mind, it will only cause confusion and division. And when you look at what happened in California, if if ten of us give reparations out of that California formula, they will they will definitely, definitely it'll be a surprise because they only you have to trace your lineage back, you have to do all this lineage stuff, and they are causing division. Now 
If you want to talk to him, you you can and nope. y'all can have that conversation. Well, I'm Ryan, not look, wasting my let, time. Let me with talk that kind of divisive let, conversation, that kind of ignorance that's going on with this Friedman group. Have I heard their name? And matter of fact, some of them. Anyway, well, <laughs> let, 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 let me say this: you know, this, I'm, this I'm, is I'm, a false group. We don't know where these people came from. They have no history in the reparations movement, me. like in Cobra, like in Cobra. Okay. And like the December 12th movement, and but, like Ron Daniels, they've been around for 40, 50 years doing reparation. The African People's Socialist Party, and then all of a sudden, you know, this stuff comes up. It's divisive. Don't do that, Eric. All I wanted to say is, if the end is about power, see, this is where I get confused on both sides, all these languages. If it's about power, and as Elliot said, we are not wrestling power from each other because we're powerless. We're wrestling power from the ones who have power for remedy. And if it's centered, if we're going to center our discussion, regardless of our position, regardless even as, as Malcolm said, even if you're the enemy, we'll make clarity about who is the enemy in relationship to are you about acquiring power and and that's to me is i don't you know so what i'll ask you um brother baron is power the real identifier of whether we are serious about getting remedy or not you know better to even ask me that question because that's all i've been about is power but this this guy comes on now all of a sudden you got to ask me are we really about getting power I've been on this show so many Let me finish. Let me finish. Mm -hmm. Let me finish. I've been on this program a thousand times, and every time I've been on here, we raise power. We should not let someone call up and divert the conversation to now we're going back to basics like y'all don't know. You know I've always been about power. That's all I ever – I raise power tonight. So – you you asking me something that I raise every time I come on this program. We talk about power. We talk about electoral power, economic power. We talk about building a black nation. We talk about self-determination for the black community. The Black Panther Party's first edict was that we want to have power to determine the destiny of our communities. That's been a fundamental message of mine. Every time I come on this program, don't let someone call in and all of a sudden we lose the basics. Brother Byron, uh, uh, when, we, when we talk about um, moving these, this, this, uh, this journey forward, the necessity to have a unified community or at least a unified voice in a community comes from organization. If you look at other cities, because a lot of our people in these other areas is going to have to uh, tread this ground, so to speak, or plow this field. Uh, We see that in New York, uh, Operation Power is there. Uh, You have other organizers like December 12th, uh, the Nation of Islam, who has been involved in reparations for a number of years. They were were there at the uh, World Conference on Racism almost over 20 years ago. So when you see these organizations working together, it's necessary in other cities 
where this demand is going to be made, that we have to start organizing in these communities. Uh, when you mentioned, and I was I was kind of unaware of that it got by me. When you mentioned about uh, uh, my, uh, brother Omali Ishatelli uh, doing a um, uh, a conference in the early eighties and gathering and, mm-hmm. and gathering historians and economists yeah. and things of that mm-hmm. nature. See, that's yeah. the type of organization I'm talking about. These people that are experts in these fields that have that have plowed this ground, whether it's historians, whether it's economists, uh, uh, whether it's uh, uh, policy makers, and I'm talking about people uh, knowing about governance or political organizing. I'm not necessarily talking about somebody involved in this this system as we know it. The, 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 the apparatus needed to get these people to the table to come up with solutions it comes from organization. Uh, and that now the, the question I'm raising is this, because I think that organizing is a talent and a necessary component to us moving forward. Now you have men like uh, Khalid Rahim in Pittsburgh, a brother Nandi right. and brother Brandon in Maryland. Nandi Lamumba. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have a, uh, uh, Omali Ishtelli yeah. down in Florida. You have Zaki yeah. Baroudi yeah. in, in Missouri. Yeah. You have this yeah. this type of work that's going on, this type of organizing that's needed. Uh-huh. T- t- tell us, just say, for example, if I'm in a town, uh, West Jiblip, and I realize as an individual that our people have been harmed and the conversation of reparations is not happening in my town of West Jiblip. What would, you, what would you tell me to do first to bring this conversation to the table? Would you recommend that I run straight to my politician and say, "Hey, start talking about this," or do you no, recommend? Absolutely not. Or do you recommend? I would, I would, go ahead. Go ahead. Or do you recommend I would, that I start? Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'll let you tell me what to do. No, no. Go ahead. You can finish. Or do you recommend that I start going to community centers, to my family, to other individuals that I might think of like minds? to start developing a strong coalition of people and then approach these other people? I would recommend that you reach out to the members, people that you mentioned who have been doing it for decades. And these groups like NCOBRA, like the people you mentioned, like the Black United Front, like the Black Panther Party, Martin Luther King called for reparations. He said he had a number. Uh, Malcolm called for reparations. I would first tell you study, read up on who has called for it, contact groups like NCOBRA, their national organization, contact people who have done this and try to reach out to them for advice on how to go forward, and then try to get like-minded people because there's never going to be this um, utopian kind of unity that we always call for. So you have to unify with the people that have a like-minded ideology, philosophy, and the people who have been organizing around reparations, these are people that have been organizing against police brutality and organizing against homelessness and organizing against uh, health, inadequate health care and indecent housing and crime in our community. We don't just do reparations. These groups that pop up just for reparations, you have to be suspect sometimes because where did they come from? Where have they been around all of these issues? Brother 
Uh, Shaki Rudy, he's been out about for decades organizing around many things. We have credibility in our community. These folks pop up out of nowhere to deal with just reparations. You've got to be suspect of that and understand that there is no reparation movement without you looking at other pieces of our struggle for power and self-determination in our community. So you, I would say, if you're in that area and you're listening to this program, let me call up Charles Brown. Let me call up Ron Daniels. And let me try to get something going. Bring in a speaker that can talk to the people that you know is concerned. And once you look at some of the bills that have been passed, look at the one in New York, California, and some other places, study this stuff, get some people together, and then not only should you approach elected officials, you should build a political organization that runs people for office and not only focus on reparations, but focus on our total liberation. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned about some of these same folks that have been fighting for reparations, have been working other fronts for years. Let me, let me read. Yeah. Let me let me read this to you, Brother Byron, to just your actions, and I'm just dealing with you because you're on the line with us. Shows what I'm talking about. Let me read this to you and get your insight on it because these are some of the things that you and Operation Power and other groups I know personally have been fighting in reference to. Let me read this to you. And this came from a published report in December almost to the date of last year. It was entitled Radical Disparities Across New York That Is Truly Jarring. When it comes to arrests, charges, convictions and sentences at every step black people are treated much more harshly than white people but even though this reality is not new just how unequal the system is across new york is still surprising in manhattan one of the wealthiest and least equal places in the country courts convict black people of felonies and misdemeanors at a rate of 21 times greater than that of white people over the past two decades. This disparity is the largest of any county in the state. In a lawsuit filed recently challenging the constitutionality of a ban on people with felony convictions serving on juries in Manhattan, the ban applies statewide. But in the case focuses on but this case focuses on Manhattan, where the racial disparities is the most severe. As many as one quarter of all otherwise jury-eligible black residents in Manhattan are barred from serving on juries because of a prior felony conviction. For black men, the disenfranchisement is even more severe. The law likely disqualifies more than 40% of them from jury service. Police arrest black people more frequently regardless, regardless of what neighborhood they're in. Prosecutors then overcharge black people compared to whites accused of the same crimes. This has resulted in racial disparities and felony conviction rates. These convictions, in turn, have devastating impacts on people's ability to participate in society, to secure a job, to find a place to live, to get an education. But they also fuel a more racially biased convictions. 
a jury system that underrepresents black New Yorkers inevitably leads more uh, to more convictions of black people. Talk about it, and and I want to mention something else too. But talk about that, Brother Byrne, because these are one of the things. Beside reparations and a bill you authored, these are one of the things that you and other groups have been pounding on in New York City and in that state in particular. Talk about that in reference to stopping our people from moving forward and causing damage among black people across the board. I don't care whether you're from uh, the islands, whether you're from South America, whether you're from the continent, or whether you were born here. Is, is those convictions and, and, and barring black people, are they delimiting what black people are talking about, Brother Byrne? I have a bill. I had a bill in the New York State Assembly, and it was almost uh, getting out of committee, but I had to leave because I ran for the city council. And I'll be talking to some of my colleagues in the state assembly that says calling for public grand juries. See, when you make the grand juries public, then you can see who's sitting on the grand jury. Because right now, grand juries are private. The DA, who they said can get an indictment on a ham sandwich and has so much influence over the grand jury but can't get one on police most of the time. So these grand juries, just starting with that first, the grand juries are private. And the person that they're trying to charge, you can't even sit in the court, and his or her lawyer can't even be there. It's just the DA and the grand jury. So just like, you know, somebody told me, well, if the grand jury is public, people may not want to, um, you know, vote to indict somebody because they might be afraid. I said, what are you talking about? The trial jury is public? What's worse than you finding somebody guilty and sending them to jail? That's public. So why can't the indictment be public? So that's one way to address that. The second thing is that what we've done in our community is to stop us from getting into the system, period. So we won't even have to be before a jury in Manhattan or in Brooklyn by making sure that we take a bite out of poverty and making sure that we have legal aid, lawyers that are competent, not these some of these that aren't, so that we don't have to worry about um, paying a whole lot of money for lawyers. These are the kinds of things that's happening. And so the This is one of the many, many institutional racist pieces that we have to fight against and have to fight for power. You have to be in the state legislature. You have to be in the city council that makes laws. And if you're not going to have power actually in these bodies, then you have to have a strong enough movement outside of them to influence them to do the right thing. So I saw that study, but that was nothing new. We knew that. There was a time where felons couldn't vote, and we had to fight. So now, as long as you're not on parole and you're out of the system and you're a convicted felon in New York State, you can vote. Uh, There was a period where you couldn't. And, And also, we're fighting now. I was fighting for bills to allow people incarcerated to vote. Let them vote by paper ballot, because when you commit a crime, you don't lose your citizenship. You commit a crime, you do the time. You shouldn't lose your citizenship right to vote. 
So there's a lot of things that we're fighting around criminal justice movement and legislation. And this is what I'm talking about. People just talking about one singular issue popped out of nowhere. And to my brother, you know, I hope I didn't uh, offend you or anything, you know, when you asked me the power question because, you know, it's nothing but love and, and my anger, my fire. That's how I am. That's what I am. You know, when I, and I knew that this call was not a, a call for kindness. It was a call to manipulate like they do all over the nation. So I just wanted to apologize to you if I came off too strong, but I just wanted to be clear on where we're going. So that what you raised, Brother Booker, Booker I, can, I can give you 10 other things we're working on like that because we have a movement beyond reparations, and that is a movement to get power to deal with a myriad of issues in our community. And, and see, that <clears throat> that's what I wanted to kind of change this, this the, the tone of this, because the people that are working, that have a track record of decades of working at reparations, just like you said, and I'm going to take a page out of what you said, I know personally have been working on other things yeah. during the same period. They didn't just that's jump right. up, and, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody. If they want to get involved in reparations, then seriously get involved. Because if 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 I want to do something, if I want to go in business, for example, I try to tap into people that's in the businesses I was in. Hello? Yeah. Th- that's only not, I'm th- I'm not just going to jump up and say, oh, I know how to do this, and I'm going to do it. That's foolish. You have to tap into people that have done this work. Now, I, I noticed some of our people, and, 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 and listen, we've been here. Our people had been enslaved. So it's self-hatred. It's, it's a lot of things mixed into our psyche that we might not realize. you got people involved in a lot of the movements that people don't personally like. Okay, right. you don't like a guy. So get involved with somebody else that's involved with those movements to help you, to guide you, to give you keys to dealing with these people. Because some of our people mm-hmm. don't realize who they're dealing with. They just mm-hmm. don't. They hear these flowery speeches. I heard that speech by the, the, the governor. And, and, I saw, yeah. and I saw black people it jumping up, clapping. They was clapping their skin off. They was clapping their skin off their hands. Now, if they oh, believe... And it, see, all of them, you know what I was going to do, and I, but I, got, I followed the wisdom of my, my wise counsel around me. I have some young people that advise me, and I have some elders in the movement that advised me because they know I'm like a firebrand. That's true. I was planning on going there, and after the governor spoke, I was going to get up there and say, hey, Rev Sharpton, before you come, she calls him up next. I was going to say, before you come up there, pardon the interruption, and then speak truth to power. I've done that before. <laughs> I know you would have done it, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my team said, no, let them have that. Don't even, because it'll be out of the news. And and if you do that, that's going to be the talk of the town and it'll linger for months. So we didn't. And we're just going to organize it the way I told you at the beginning. But it's very important to know that, you know, we got to make revolution in America, radical change in America. But while you talk revolution and radical systemic change, and radical just means getting to the root of the problem, And the root of the problem is colonialism, colonial capitalism, and our domestic colonies. But our people don't want to hear no colonialism and imperialism and capitalism and domestic colony. 
Charles, you're going to put some food on my table. Can you give me a job? Can you stop this landlord from throwing me out? Can you bring some parks renovated? That's why I said we have to have in-the-meantime strategy. Pending the revolutionary fervor, let's get into the electoral arena, and let's do what the Milcar Cabral said. He said, bear in mind, the masses, the people are not fighting for ideas in your mind. They're fighting for material benefits and a future for their children. Tell no lies, mask no difficulties, and claim no easy victories. So we got to say to my people now, when I walk the streets of East New York, they ask me, Charles, man, tell me about this radical thing. Why? Because I got them a job. I brought food to East New York. I brought crime down, and not me, but our movement, down in East New York, even though it's some of the highest crime in the city. But since we've been in office from 2002 to the present, crime has gone down in every category. We stopped gentrification, stopped Walmart. We built more affordable housing. So now when I talk radical and revolutionary, they can't say it's empty rhetoric because I've delivered more for them than the sellout politicians have kissing parts of the anatomy they ought not to be kissing i was kicking it <laughs> let me grab a couple more of these calls for you for you got to step away brother brown let's go to 718 in new york city 718 greetings brothers this is brother maurice calling from new york and coming from the great state of new york um i don't i don't like brother Barron either i love brother Barron. i'm in east new york I know what East New York was before Brother Barron showed up. Brother Barron is out here fighting for us every day. Let me tell you something. For these Negroes that will be calling and running their mouth about stuff, he is legitimate. He don't have to prove nothing to you because I live in an area. I saw what he, he kept all of the developers from taking over this area and stuff. I saw him out there fighting about violence in the community and stuff and rolling up on the police station, the 75th over here, and, and, right. and protesting out in front of there. I saw him when he fought to keep Walmart out, and he told them one of the reasons he wanted to keep them out because they didn't want to have unionized jobs. I'm That's living right. in the neighborhood with him. That's right. And I was I I know for a fact, like, you know, the National uh, Burial Ground, Brother Barron and Abubadika, Sonny yep. Carson and stuff, the December 12th movement laid out in front of bulldozers and stuff to keep them from digging up black bodies down there. So all mm. these Negroes calling up, running your mouth about him, need to shut up. He's 100 percent legitimate. And I love the brother. I don't. I don't. Sometimes we make disagree on things and, and philosophies, but the brother heart is for his people, and I I know for a fact because I've been here, out here watching them and supporting them and stuff. He I, when he he had his bill, I was pushing his bill when he put it up for reparations, and they stalled it. His bill passed and it stalled in the Senate. I've been reporting right. on this for years about this. That's right. He got his bill pushed through. So you people running your mouth, and he's right. I mean, we're having forums talking about uh, reparations down in Brooklyn, and I'm like, who are these people y'all got here talking about reparations and stuff? I've never even heard of these people. They ain't never been right. nowhere. So, you know, so Brother Barron, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased and stuff. You're a black man screaming. You don't even, you, you, me, you, and Brother, um, now, I'm not going to criticize him because Brother Sanders, we all got an award together. If you remember from 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement, and stuff. I ain't mad at we, you. We stood together <laughs> and, and, and took pictures. 
and, and stuff. And I'm I'm really surprised that Brother Sanders for signing up on this bill because I was like, you know, because y'all did some work in the city council. Remember when y'all was working on that yeah, issue? Yeah, we worked trying together. To get I was the, telling them that. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you so, so much, I mean, brother. I appreciate that. Look, Charles, you ain't going to never, you know, let me tell you something. I see, every time we see each other, you shake my hand, and you, your wife always show me respect. You always encourage me to do the, the work that I'm doing, and I don't have a problem with y'all because the one thing I always tell people, you always have to check the person's heart. Brother Barron loves his people, and he's out there fighting for them. I'm tired of you Negroes who are doing nothing. It, um, um, there was a, Somebody said this, and I can't remember. I think it was... Um, What's the brother's name that created Kwanzaa? Uh, I can't get his name. Malana Karanga. Malana Karanga. Right. Dr. Karanga said, before, you know, it should be a rule that says that you can't speak about an issue until you've done something. All of you yeah. Negroes complaining about something, Charles has done something. Now I'm getting off the phone now. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution. Let's go, let's go to 646. 646. Hey, what's happening, um, Elliot Richard? How you doing, Charles? I'm doing fine, sir. Good. How's your wife doing? Oh, she's doing very well. Good. Excellent. Listen, I just wanted to ask you, since you've um, been out of office, how has the community sustained itself with um, the new individual that holds your seat? Well, first, let me say this. I'm not out of office yet. December 31st is our okay. last day in office. I'm still the council member, number one. And number two, we're not going anywhere. I was providing leadership in East New York before I was elected, and I'm going to continue to do that now that I'm going to be out of office. And so is Inez. We beat the machine for 22 years, and they just got back the two seats. They had a celebration for us just on Friday night at the new gym, new community center that we had built. I made a developer build a new community center, and when the the uh, contract is up, we're going to get that center for a dollar, and it's state of the art. So just Friday, we had three, four hundred people in there, and they were celebrating Inez and I. It was a fantastic. We a lot of the you know the street organizations that are helping us bring crime down. We can, Violence interrupters were there. Clergy was there. You know, all kinds of, of, of folks, the tenant leaders from the public housing. And we all made a commitment. I'm not going anywhere. And the beautiful thing about it, in the next five years, more of my projects that are already in the hopper is going to go through. I have about six housing development property projects that are going to come to ribbon cutting in the next three years. I'll be right there. I have other a bills and stuff that's going to be built on again to help our retirees and not privatize their health care with Aetna. I mean, those struggles are going to continue. And right now, commissioners called me up and said, listen, Brother Barron, you know, uh, they said, Councilman Barron, we are with you. We don't care who's coming in. Anytime you call, we're coming. So I'm still going to have juice and influence, and I'm going to organize, build Operation Power, our numbers are going to quadruple because I can now focus on building Operation Power and not have to worry about re-election or we was like victims of our success because when you win a council seat and an assembly seat and the district leader, male and female, then you got to run campaigns every year to maintain those seats and you're running against a powerful machine and beating them so the organization was stagnant. Now 
I'm going to get me hundreds of thousands of dollars for our organization, and I'm going to get hundreds of members for our organization. And when I wake up on January 1st, I'm going to do what I want to do, not what I have to do. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, knowing you, Charles, it's only going to be success moving moving forward. And, um, you know, sometimes you got to get out of office to be able to do the things that is really necessary for the community because we know that, you know, those that replace you are usually bought and paid for or they wouldn't oh, yeah. be in that position to um, be with that. But um, as long as you're on the scene, Charles, I think East New York will be all right because right. honestly... Honestly, like you said, man, your your situation as far as black people go in New York is the only place where gentrification hasn't happened. I mean, I live in right. Harlem, and, and Harlem is absolutely, you know, I'm sorry to say it because I've been there over 50-some years. Harlem is trash, and it's not going to get any better. And last thing I wanted to ask you is this. Have you heard anything more about the project on 145th Street? And let oh, me, oh. Could you speak a little bit on that? Yes, because yes. I haven't been able to hear much about that. I'm very, very concerned about it. I'm glad you brought that up, brother. Uh, brother Booker, I just want to let you know that there was a sister by the name of Christian Richardson Jordan. She was a socialist, a black radical like me. We're the only ones that didn't vote for the new speaker and all of that and stood our grounds. A developer, rich developer, wanted right across the street from Al Sharpton, yeah. wanted to build two 34-story buildings, 34 stories. The, the highest thing next to it was 17 stories. He wanted to build two 34-story buildings and in the middle have a museum, a civil rights museum, where he was giving Al Sharpton some space for his organization. Sharpton supported this rich white developer gentrifying Harlem. Those 5,000 units of housing, only 20% of them were being affordable and affordable by his definition. So the new council member called me up and asked me to come to a meeting with this developer. And I told her, let's go there with a plan. Don't just go there saying you're against something. Tell him what you're for. And let's tell him that we're for 17 stories each to match the other development that's 17 stories. And tell him that the affordability is not going to be 80% market and 20% affordability. We're going to flip it. It's going to be 80% affordable, as we define it, and 20% for those making 70000 80000 He had a nerve to say to her, are you serious? That, that's, not make, that's not economically feasible. You tell me how we make money off that. And I said, excuse me, Councilwoman, may I? And I said, you got a lot of, you better shut up for the rest of this meeting. Don't you ever talk to a sister like that. Are you, have you lost your mind and all of his lawyers? Be cool, be cool, man, you're blowing it. Anyway, we beat him back because we have power. Sharpton was for him. The speaker of the city council was for that. I told her, go to the zoning committee. That's where the project is. It's eight members, not seven members. We spoke to them. 
They said, Brother Barron, we'll be with you and, and Sister Christian. And we stopped that project. Now they have a new council member out there. My concern now, brother, if you're from Harlem, Keith Wright is behind Yousef. Oh, yeah, I know I know all of them, Charles. You, so, so you I, know. I know. So I'm just concerned know. that I, I'm just concerned because Yousef is not familiar with the terrain. Has no he's clue. Being led by, he's being led by Keith Wright. Keith Wright is a machine, money-making person, so he might start renegotiating with that developer so the Harlem community, y'all going to have to rise up because now you don't have Kristen and myself to back them down. You're going to have hustlers. Hey, Charles, Charles, let me, let me tell you this right quick. I saw, I saw Keith last week, and I said, I said to Keith, I know and you know that you're going to sell us out. The sad thing is, the sad thing is nobody in this community will be willing to put you to death because I know what you're going to do with this young boy. You're going to oh, use yeah. this young boy yeah. and manipulate this young boy. And the reason yeah. why I know you manipulated and you're going to use him is because when people were telling them to speak and sit down with Charles, and he didn't take that advice. I knew right. it was a wrap. But yeah, right. I, I, I told him the sad thing is that your daddy rolling over in his grave. Uh huh. Because he know the type of real coward and thief you are. And your problem is that you upset because Charlie never treated you the way that you thought you should have been treated and mm-hmm. took his position and you got this Baba Louie that don't even deal with you because you know right. Espinosa don't even deal with him. He don't even oh, no. have discussions <laughs> or anything. But, right. you know, I tell you like this. It's all lessons, Charles, because yes, that sister... You know, they put so much stress and pressure on that sister that I'm glad she was intelligent enough to get up and walk away and go on about her business. Because, you know, you're going to see now. And, you know, everybody talks about Sharpton. And listen, Charles, we done known Sharpton for over 30 years, man. We done been in the street with him. We done sat down and meetings with Mm -hmm. him and everything. We know what type of character this is. But it just amazes me how people will dog you, but will never dog that sellout. That that, Mm -hmm. that dirty pork chop chicken eater, thief, liar. (laughs) I mean, he's one of the worst human beings in the world. And And let me leave you with this. I always knew once I heard that bastard on the air seven days a week that he was the enemy and the overseer of black people that he is. The man is a dog. I don't care what mm. nobody say. And the sad thing is that people like you who try to make our lives better always get disrespected and never be respected until you no longer here and we wake up and see all the greatness that you provided. But this is going to be the example. Right, let me just say this. We got a lot of love out there. And also that, you know, we try to work with everybody. Remember, I like you, I used to of meet course. the shop and try to work with them, demonstrate with them and all of that. 
And we knew when we were trying to do that who he really was, but we're just trying to bring some unity. That's why I'm not into this utopian, unrealistic unity. But thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And uh, keep up the good work. Charles, all I'm going to do is say this. Every time I see white and them other cronies, I try to give them as much hell as possible because they ain't warriors. That's the yeah. thing. They're not warriors. All right, bro. They're about I'm sure they got, they got to go now, but I, I appreciate you, man, and Thanks. keep up the struggle. Thanks for your contribution. Let's go okay. To, let's go to uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. Good evening, Brother Charles. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing great. Thank you, my brother. You're welcome. All praises be to Allah. You know, Brother Charles, I just want to ask you a question. One is like kind of rhetorical. Number one is that why can't why can't you relocate and come to Philadelphia and be a councilman here in Philadelphia? <laughs> no, no I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I'm not being facetious, but I mean it with all my heart and soul. Well, well, let me my just heart. say this. Let me just say this, my brother. I'm a bad man. But I got my black queen home, and she runs the show. She I knew that, man. I heard that. I heard that. And I'm telling you, brother Charles, here for us, we are all the black councilmen we have in this city, as presently in city council, now ain't worth a dime. The sister, the few sisters that's on there, got more heart than the black man got. That should tell mm. you right there. The, the, the wow. Negroes that we got. I mean, I'm telling you, honestly, God, truth. I'll be my witness, brother Charles. The, mm. the, the male Negroes that's on city council, they are a disgrace in this life for the next yeah. sisters. And and I don't may not agree with everything the sisters do necessarily, but they got more heart. They do more their heart. love for our yeah. people with sincerity. Well, let me they recommend like, this. Let me sure. recommend this because what mm-hmm. I've learned in East New York. You can call them ancient mama, uncle Tom, sell out Negroes and Negresses. They don't care. I know. The only thing they're worried about, can you beat them? Exactly. And we learned how to beat the machine. Yep. So right. we have to organize. They don't care about us calling them names and chopping them up yeah. names we call them. Because he know he's in and ain't nobody can match, you know, what he can get from the system and all of that. And a lot of black people love him, whatever. But we got to organize, organize, as Kwame Ture always says, so yes. formally, organize, organize, organize. That's what we did in East New York. We had the same kind of elected officials out here. Mm-hmm. I got tired of calling them names. I got tired of busting up their meetings and taking the microphone and all of that. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to take them out. Mm-hmm. And we went to the block association uh, leaders. We went to the tenant leaders in public housing. We went to some of the clergy I organized around issues. I stopped a environmentally hazardous incinerator from coming into the district, won that one, and got some media attention. I stopped them from taking out the coal fire, but taking out the fire boxes in our in our community, saying with too many false alarms. We stopped that. We stopped them and made them put take the coal fired furnaces out of our schools. Our children didn't die for upper respiratory diseases. Mm-hmm. And when they saw all of that, they said, who is this child Van? Yes, I went sir. to school board meetings, community board meetings, and they said, you got to run. I knew that. And I right. said, no for a year. And then I said, fine, let's do this. And we beat the machine. That's what y'all have to do. Take them out. And, and, and brother Charles, that's what we trying. That's what we trying to. And brother Charles, that's just what we trying to do. Philip, you get good. Like this past election, when we had, we had our 
so, so-called female first female black mayor. I was trying to get the brother in Obama Hagen. He's a brother. He didn't get enough vote support and stuff. He had the machine going against him. But I think, I, and I told Brother O'Hagan, I said, don't get discouraged. You run again. I said, we're going to get you in there at some point because he's just like you, Brother Charles. He has the heart mm-hmm. for the people. He loves our people. Yeah. He ran for council at large. He ran for mayor? He ran for mayor? No, he ran for ca- council at large. It's oh, just, tell him to keep on it. How many votes like, did he get? How many votes uh, did he, he get about? He got about... Considering he had the whole Democrat machine against him, he got yeah. just for the votes and stuff like that. But I told him, don't be discouraged. I told him, run again. Keep running. Like they say, run, run, run. So yeah. it, took me a couple of, it took me a couple of shots. Exactly. The first time I ran against the machine, I got 4,000. Mm-hmm. They got 6,000. Mm-hmm. They have term limits. The yes. machine came out against me again. And I only won in 2001 by yes. 267 votes. Yes. And yes, then man. after I got in, they couldn't get me out. And then my and wife, Inez, won in 2008. She won the assembly seat. And we stayed there for 20 years. We beat the machine. Y'all can and do that, it. And I know we can. That's why I remain faithful and confident. You know, because I know brother, like, brother O'Hagan going to get in there at some point. Because he's like, just right. like you, brother uh, Barry. He has a love for our people. That's why I'm, I'm yes. telling him to be faithful. And my, and my last question before I get off mm-hmm. is this. And I ask this with all sincerity, Brother Barron, and I know you probably have, have had this asked before. What is it about you as a black, I'm speaking black man, a black man. What is it What is about you as a black man, a man that's married, got children, got a family, what is you as a black man, that you can, that you had a heart and integrity and know who you are to say, look, I'm not going to sit there and be quiet while Israel is sl- slowing up our Palestinian brothers and sisters, and you speak out against that Zionist that Israel. Why can you do that, but the mother Negroes like Hakeem Jeffries and Sharpton don't have enough heart to do that? Can you tell me why? I know it's rhetorical, but what makes you so different? If you got the heart, you are human being, you are a man, you can you can stand up to them bigots and them Zionists, but they can't. Well, just answer that, and I get off and hear your answer, Brother Baron. I just want to know why. Well, the bottom line is that I have no financial connection to them. They do. I have no fear of them. They do. They have no influence over my life politically, where I'm going or not. They do have it over them. And I believe God. You know, I have a a lot of political stuff, but I believe in the revolutionary black messiah, Jesus Christ. And I believe that Christ was a revolutionary, just like Martin Luther King was a revolutionary. Yes. And I believe I grew up in the 60s, man. So in the 60s, you have, you have a lot of heart, man. Every kind of movement was out there. The Black Panthers, which I was a part of. But even yes. Dr. King had a lot of heart. Sure. So these guys are rugged individualism. See, capitalism breeds individualism. Yes. And yes. capitalism, yes. the greatest challenge of capitalism in addition to its political and economic economy and system is this value system yes. so it's like look out for number one yes to each his own pull yourself up by your own bootstraps your success is an individual thing not a group thing and the survival of the fittest so when you have that kind of value system they don't care about nothing but their personal ambition rugged individualism what's the next I'm going to get and who do I need to suck up to to get it that's their agenda it ain't our people's liberation I have no fear of calling out they got a lot of nerve terror you know what terrorism is is when you deliberately kill innocent non-combatants 
this war in Israel, it didn't start on October 7th, you know, this year with Hamas attacking Israel. That's not when it started. With the Balfour Declaration in 1917, when the Jews were in Europe, made them, Lord Balfour says, stop beating us up, man. Go take Palestine. And then in 1947, they had the Nakba, the catastrophe where they murdered five to 6,000 Palestinians and displaced 700,000 of them on the West Bank and the Gaza Strip to create the state of Israel. The state of Israel was created by way of terrorism. Terrorism. So when I say I support the concept of free Palestine, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, free Palestine. Oh, are you trying to say that they should wipe out Israel? You're damn right. Wipe out a state leadership, not the people of Israel, because there's a lot of Jews in Israel that are against the Knesset, and they're against Menachem, I mean, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. So they should have liberation from river to sea. That just simply means the Palestinians should determine a one-state solution that they determine. And think of the killing that they've done. 20,000, over 20,000, and 7,000 of them are babies. What you're talking about you have a right to protect yourself against babies? I've been to the Gaza Strip. I went there in 2009 with Cynthia McKinney. Been to the Gaza Strip, and I saw the devastation then. That hospital that they blew up, we delivered with George Galloway, a elected official from England, and Cynthia, myself, and Brother Matulu from Dead Press, and 200 others. We delivered a million dollars worth of aid to that same hospital that they blew up. It wasn't no Hamas in there, no underground, nothing, no weapons. It was a hospital. And if you think that they're really against Hamas, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I want to sell you called the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Benjamin Netanyahu was the supporter of Hamas in 1987 because he was manipulating Hamas to go against Fatah and the PLO because he didn't want to start a Palestinian state. So he supported Hamas getting the Gaza Strip and Fatah, the West Bank, so he wouldn't have to deal with a state. He supported Hamas. This is not a battle between Israel and Hamas. This is a battle between the settler colonial state of Israel and its apartheid system against the Palestinian people whose land they stole. Hey, Brother Dan, well Thank, said. Thanks, Thanks, Brother Elliot. Thanks for your contribution. Welcome. Let's take one more. Let's go to do, uh, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. I just turned it on, man. So, uh, who's the, who you got on there? Charles Barron? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Well, I just turned the, the, the program on. So far, it's pretty hot, man. So, continue and, and uh, happy holiday. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you, Brother Barron, listen, I want to yes, let sir. you. Uh, thank you and thank your wife for allowing you to come on in and talk with us for a little while. It was, it was good having you. And uh, listen. Um, even though uh, the term is up or be up soon, uh, 
the door is always open to you because the work, I know you're going to continue to work. And uh, Sister, uh, yep. uh, uh, you know what? I always butcher her name. Abloomy? Uh, what's her name? Abloomy? Abloomy? Oh, which sister? The sister uh, that that kind of works with the communication. Uh, uh, oh, all of booming. Uh, yeah, all of booming. I, yeah, oh boy. Yeah, all okay. Booming. Yeah, from Operation Power. Yes, yeah, all of booming. Sister, the, the, uh, and the, and the brother from Operation Power. Listen, did, uh, you could tell them to come on. Anybody? Uh, oh, good. Because I want to have the, the organization. Allen, Go ahead. Them come on, so they can. Uh, you know, definitely deal with some of the development of Operation Power. Absolutely, yeah. and that, that those type of organizations are needed in all of these, whether it's urban or rural areas where black people are. We need organization mm -hmm. to develop skills to take our people forward and to govern ourselves. This is what this is about. It's to me, That's it's right. not about grooming people to be members of the Democratic and Republican Party. It's about grooming people to lead our people to govern That's our right. people. That's what it's about. Yeah, you hit it on the head, Brother Booker. See, we using the Democratic primary simply as a strategy and a tactic. We are not loyal Democrats. You know, my biggest enemy out here in East New York is the Democratic blacks in, in the party because they know we ain't really down with them. We using them like they use us. We know 95% of our people in East New York are registered Democrats. So if I run independent, in November, they're not voting for me because they blindly vote Democratic. But I beat them in the Democratic primary. We don't go to their meetings. They don't fund our campaigns. We don't use their consultants. We have no connection whatsoever to the Democratic Party. And that's why they hate us. <laughs> Brother Barron, thanks for being with us. Richard? <laughs> yes, yes, and you know, Brother Baron, I, I, I really, um, as it's, it's a no, no brainer. Respect the work that you're doing, and even in the discussion here, shows the what one of the core things that I walked away with that repair is all the things that is being done yeah. um, that you mentioned. You know, you got yeah. foreign policy, domestic policy. Yeah. You're dealing with the party power politics, whether yeah. it's local or state, and you got to deal with individual. Um, and I'm thinking of when you mentioned about James Sanders, individual uh -huh. personality, you know, context. Oh, yeah. See, they, they get in the way from actually right. providing yeah. more services to the people at large. So, right. really, we're suffering, you know, we're suffering real quickly. I'm sorry for cutting. No, no, okay. We're suffering from a period of neocolonialism. Kwame Nkrumah talked about the new way to colonize us is to put black faces in high places and continue to espouse white policies and white control. <laughs> That's our problem because we're just saying we want a black this, a black president, a black vice president, a black this, black that, instead of saying the kind of blacks we want with the kind of ideology. And so... You know, we deal on a very grassroots. I got to deal with constituent services. We stopped a hundred families from losing their homes in foreclosure. A hundred families. We got to deal with people who don't have food. So we had to fund food pantries and give out 500 turkeys every year. Every basic thing that our people need, we have addressed, which is why now Ms. Bunch, who I met at 72, she's 92 now. She was in the Catholic Church with a white pass and all of that, and with the machine. She's now talking a black, she's a black radical at 92. 
94, Miss Bunch. This is what I'm talking about. This is transformative politics, not just transactional politics. And then I know everybody's talking about Palestine. What about Africa? Free Africa. What about the Sahel region of Africa, where they rose up, they're kicking the French out of out of uh, Africa, out of Sierra Leone, I mean, uh, the Burkina Faso, and out of Mali, and out of Niger. They're kicking the French out. And they're talking about the BRICS conference in South Africa. 100 countries coming together and saying, no more IMF, International Monetary Fund. The hell with the World Bank. Let's not deal with the American dollar, the French pound, I mean, the French franco, and the British pound, and the European euro. We're getting our own currency. Come on, man. Revolution is in the air. <laughs> we got to let our people know that. <laughs> yeah. Brother Brian, thanks for being with us, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care now. Take care. We're going to take a brief break, and uh, for a few minutes left, we're going we're gonna to come back and uh, talk about some things. We'll be right back. Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. The Digital Plantation. Abibitumi.com. Abibitumi.tv. Abibitumi.tv.com. Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know 
to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism. Do you have any idea what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality. And uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh, to go, but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America. We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raft Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young, but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, 
he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back. The Time for an Awakening is 8.56 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Brother Richard. You still there? I think I lost Richard. What happened? Oh, this board didn't go down, I hope. Listen, I want to uh, thank our guest this evening that was, who have joined us in conversation to talk about that uh, reparations legislation that was passed up there in New York. Uh, interesting dialogue that we had with Brother Barron. Uh, interesting dialogue that we have with the callers. I, I think that we have to understand that this is about justice for our ancestors and for our children moving forward. It was always about that. With a lot of people that have started at Queen Mother Moore and others that, uh, that, have, that have gone on to be ancestors, these movements has always been about getting justice for all of our people. It's not about anything personal. It's not about me filling my pockets with money. It's not about that. I think we've got to keep the focus where it needs to be, in my opinion. We're not each other's enemy, unless we prove otherwise. We're not each other's enemy. It's been an enemy, traditionally, of our people almost since we arrived on these shores. These are the ones that our focus on our ire and our indignation should be against. And especially if they talk around dance around, uh, 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 run circles around us getting justice for the atrocities done to our people and still being done now. I want to thank all the people that have done this work. Because we are, we're going we, to all benefit in the long run. We're going to all benefit from this in the long run. All of us. These things were done to all of our people, shipped all over the world, South America, Central America, the islands, here, and on the continent where they've been neo-colonialized, Europe, the, the, the continent of Europe. We've been shipped all over this world, and the engine behind that was overwhelmingly Europeans. I don't care what nation of, of Europe you were from, they were involved in this. Their hands are full of blood, and they need to pay. Let's keep that focus where it needs to be, brothers and sisters. In fact, we, I mean, we're gonna, we, we, it's playing out now. We, uh, we're seeing what's happening. All we got to do is organize in these towns, cities, and towns where we are. Organize. And the work is going to take care of itself. 
organized in the right way. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Before we go, uh, let me get the lineup on time for on Awakening Media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogue on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, Mississippi on the move. Brother Patrick Lumumba and the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. And several of his hosts, Brother uh, Dove Sack. Uh, brother, uh, attorney Kamal Kareem and, 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 uh, and, uh, sister Crystal, all the brothers and sisters involved in that organization down in Mississippi on the move. And that's basically what we're talking about this evening about organizing politically where you are. That's a perfect example of them doing that on a Thursday evening show. That's, uh, uh, eight, seven, uh, seven to nine on Thursdays on Friday time for Wiggins is back from eight until on Saturdays. The Elders of Sankofa from 7 to 9 with Dr. Janine James' host. And then Time for Awakening is back on Sundays from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Children. To save the children.